Thank you, Taylor. That was beautiful. Let's open up to uh, Luke, please. Chapter 19 of Luke. For that, let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that for those that are in this room that truly do believe in you, that you drew us to you. And now, because of believing in you, we have a new life. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask now that you would just go before us, that you would prepare hearts, prepare this speaker, Lord, to speak words that are your words and that they are effective and they achieve your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. It's, um, you know, today, as, as people were saying, it's kind of an interesting day. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and, you know, it's the, the big game. And a lot of people have, you know, say, finally, it's here. And it's, it's the big game. And the Super Bowl is, is a big deal to a lot of people. It really is a big deal um, to a lot of people around the world and even in, Mer- in America. Um, you know, the question is, is it a big deal to you? It's kind of a big deal to me, just for fun. But how big of a deal is it? You know, I went to Costco on Saturday, and it was a big deal to a lot of people. <laughs> no, it's serious. It was a... And I went there early, like 10 o'clock in the morning, and it was a big deal because it was so busy. So it was a big deal. I also heard a story about a lady, which was kind of surprising. She, um, her husband had died last year, and she cremated him. And she is from Seattle. And it was a big deal to her that they went to the Super Bowl. Because it was a big deal to him, because he was a Seattle fan. So she wanted to take his ashes to the Super Bowl. Because she wanted him to see the game. (laughs) That's a big deal. The Super Bowl was a big deal to this lady. And it's a big deal to a lot of us. Um, Two teams will be encountering each other. You know, you'll have one that will... When and they'll receive what? A trophy, money, their names in the history books. But I want you to think about something. And Sylvia preached on it a while back, and I was at a, a women's prayer meeting or women's uh, uh, meeting. It was a Bible study, and I was blessed by it because she said the church of God is a big deal to God. And it really, really crushed me because I had to look at that and think the church is a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. Because of the work that goes on in the church. Because of the fact that I remember coming to this church on a Monday night and asking a brother, Dean, and sitting with him. And it was a big deal because he shared with me out of the love of his heart the scriptures and opened them up to me. And it was a big deal because I got saved that day 13 years ago. Because the work of God is a big deal. Now, I want you to think about what's a big deal to God. We know about the big game. And it's a big deal to a lot of people. What's a big deal to God? Saving sinners is a big deal to God. Rescuing the lost is a big deal to God. Where we spend eternity is a big deal to God. 
Having our names written in the book of life is a big deal to God. First Timothy 2.4 says, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's a big deal to God that we come to the knowledge of the truth and that we're saved. It's a big deal to God. Big deal. And praise God for that, that it's a big deal to him. What about you? What's a big deal today? Let's open up to Luke chapter 19, first 10 verses. It says he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax, tax gatherer. And he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was. And he was unable because of the crowd. For he was small in stature and he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Some versions say or joyfully. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying he is has gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost. Sinners. And he was one of the sinners that was a little different sinner than most. He was a tax gatherer. A publican, as they used to call them as well. Ironside says about him that detested imperial government hated to be taxed by it. They hated to be taxed, the Jews. What made it worse was that the position of a tax collector was sold to the one who offered the most money for it. I didn't know that. Whoever had the most ducats, the most money, got to buy that right to be a tax gatherer. Interesting. He who secured the privilege imposed heavy taxes on the people so as to reimburse himself for all he had paid for his position and to obtain a good living besides. If he were reasonably honest, he could do well. But if he were a rogue or a rascal... He might accumulate vast wealth. Zacchaeus was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Conclusion. This tells you its own story, he says. We can well understand why the Jews detested him. He had made himself wealthy by oppressing his own people. He was considered the scum of the earth. And before we go on, it's very important to understand that we're all in the same position as Zacchaeus. We're no different. They were confused that day, and that's why they were questioning Jesus. But I don't want us to be confused today because we read something that was really good in our breaking of bread. And we read, and you don't have to go there because I'm not going to tell you the verse. But we, it, it, we said that if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're just like Zacchaeus, a rogue before God, a sinner. 
detestable because of our sins. Some people even say the scum of the earth. But something was happening to Zacchaeus. And we don't know because the story doesn't tell what was happening. But I can tell you something was happening. Because as we look at the story, we see that he ran because he wanted to see Jesus. He was interested. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, I don't know how you interpret that. And a lot of people have tried to interpret that. But he was interested in finding out about the Savior. Now, why? A lot of people can come up with conclusions. But you have to say there was something that drove him to be interested in Jesus. He was interested in finding out who he was, what he was about. Maybe he heard from one of the people he went to to collect the funds. And maybe there's a girl in the back room as mommy is bringing out the savings to him. And he needs only one shekel or denarii or whatever it is. And he asks for five. And she has to go to the piggy bank to get the five. And the little daughter is pulling on her and saying, mommy, mommy, that's our savings, though. The Lord will provide, honey. The Lord will provide, honey. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll give to the tax collector. We want to do what's right. God will provide. And he might have heard something like that. Or maybe he had a servant in his house because he was rich and wealthy. And he had servants. And he probably because he was short in stature and he was hated. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple of guys that would watch over him and protect him like Roger. <laughs> a couple of Rogers. I would. I'm collecting money and I got people looking at me saying he's back. The scum of the earth is back. I'm going to have some backup. And he probably did have backup, but I don't believe he had it that day. Because he couldn't see and it would have been easy for one of them to move the crowd a little bit. Get out of his way. He's rich. He wants to see Jesus move back. He didn't have that that day. I don't think he did. I think he was he was by himself, and people probably looked at him like, Zacchaeus, what are you even doing here? Jesus is coming through. You don't belong here. But he was interested. Something had concerned him about his character. I think something was happening. God was starting to make him feel uneasy about his career and his way of living. And what happened? He ran and jumped up in that tree, and he sat there waiting, and Jesus came by. And I don't think he realized what was happening, but Jesus said, you know, I see you up there, Zacchaeus. I even know your name. He says, come on down, because I want to stay at your house. I want to talk to you about something. What did Jesus want with a sinner, and why did he want to go to his house? I love Revelation 3.20, where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. It was an invitation. And Christ is very faithful in his invitation because he says, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone, he's a God that's looking for anyone. And the first point that I was going to mention, which is, Real simple is that it was an invitation. He always has an invitation, doesn't he? He's always inviting us. He's always interested because he's looking for those who are lost. 
And the last verse we read is, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He is always about inviting us to come out of that condition of slavery, to rescue us. And the first thing he does is he invites. He has an invitation. Has he invited you? Have you received that invitation? Have you heard that knock on the door where he knocked on the door of your heart and said, I want to invite me to come and live inside of you? I want you to accept me. I have an invitation for you. I want to come to your house today. I want to come into your life today. That invitation is so consistent that since the beginning of time, God has been offering an invitation to lost sinners. And I love in the Old Testament where he tells the Israelites, I have heard your suffering and I have come down to rescue you. He has never stopped inviting himself to help us, to save us, to rescue us. And that's what happened. He came. He asked Zacchaeus. He had a question. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I have an invitation for you. I want to come to your house. And what happened? What happened that day? It's beautiful because Jesus was sitting with Zacchaeus in his house. This big castle, maybe, or whatever. But they had a conversation. What was the conversation? He accepted the invitation to come to his house. And they went and then they closed the door. And inside the home was something was going on that you and I will never know till we get to heaven. But we can be sure that Jesus was faithful to him. We can be sure that he told Zacchaeus of his need to repent and to get right with God. The invitation is always the same. When he comes and knocks at the door, it's always the same. I want to tell you your position in Christ which is you don't have him in your heart. He says, you don't have me. I want you to repent and get right. I want you to get right with God. That's what he told Zacchaeus that day. He says, I know about all the families that you've defrauded. I know your life. I know what you've done. I watched you. I was there. How do we know we said that? Well, let's go to... John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. And we see that the Samaritan woman, chapter 4, you can go to verse 9. We're just going to touch a couple verses. That's it. Samaritan woman therefore said to him as he asked for a drink, How is that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. He says because it's a big deal to me. Your life is a big deal to me. It's a big deal. You're a Samaritan woman. You're a tax gatherer. You're lost. You're hopeless. He says you're all in the same container. There is no difference between all of you. You're all sinners. You all have fallen out of grace. You all don't know me as Savior. And I'm interested in you. And he told the Samaritan woman, you know, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what did he say to Zacchaeus? He says, Zacchaeus, I I, I got some living water for you. I know you've been depressed about this. I know you can't stand yourself for what you're doing. And I have an invitation for you. 
It's Christ. I have a ticket for you to heaven. I have a get out of jail free card. You've been you've been chained to this life of sin. And just like with the Samaritan woman, he said, I have living water for you. And he goes down to say. Tells her to go and call her husband. And he might have said that to Zacchaeus. He might have told Zacchaeus, you know, go bring out the money pot. You know, go get that little safe over there. I want to know how much money you have. Well, I have a couple things in there. He says, well, I know what you really have. I know the money you have under your bed. I know the money you have stashed down the street in this well. I know the money that you stashed because I've seen you. And that's what he told this woman. He said to her, you have said you have well said you have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have is not your husband. This you have said truly. He knew. Doesn't he know? Do you know everybody in here right now? When we blinked, he knew. When we were conceived, he knew before we were conceived. How we would breathe, how many times we would breathe, every step we've made, Everything we've done, all of it is recorded. And he goes to Zacchaeus and he says, I know about you. I know about your life. I know what was happening. And then he tells him, like it says in John 3, 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus was thinking all kind of thoughts. Zacchaeus was lost. Zacchaeus, I believe, knew he was lost that day. That's why he climbed up the sycamore tree. He was looking for Jesus because he was hopeless at that point. He was tired of being a rogue. Are you tired of being a sinner? Are you tired of not accepting the Lord into your life? Are you tired? We have to get to a point where we're tired. And the second point was realization. He realized that day, and that seems to be the most important thing about getting saved. Do you realize that you're a sinner? And do you recognize that you're in need of a Savior? I believe that conversation that he had, because of the invitation, because he invited Jesus to sit with him, that Jesus showed him all the things about himself, and he didn't just tell him about himself. He revealed Zacchaeus' character to him, and he wants to reveal our character to us today. He wants to tell each of us that we are nothing but sinners. That's what we are, all of us. I don't care how good you are or how bad you are. We're in the same camp, sinners, in need of a Savior. Jesus told Zacchaeus that today. That day, it was clear to Zacchaeus. It was absolutely clear. And he didn't stop there. He said, well, I want to also tell you about me. I've come... To save you and to rescue you. I didn't just come to, dis- to, to, to reveal to you your character. I want to tell you about my character. I want to tell you who I was. I want to tell you that I love you so much that I want to bring you a life and a life of fulfillment. I want to give you a joy that you never experienced. I got saved and the Lord changed my life. I can tell you it's real because I've experienced what the Lord has done to me. He saved me. He rescued me. He gave me a new heart. He changed my direction. Now I think God. I think about God. I love God. I want to serve God. 
And he's given me a peace. And he's given me a peace that surpasses all human understanding. And that's what he wants to give each one of us. And that's what he told Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus recognized that that day. He realized it. He understood when he looked at his life and he looked at the Savior's gift, he said, I got it. I understand. And he even told him he was going to the cross and he was going to pay for his sins. (sighs) Do you realize I think realization is one of the most difficult things for us to get to. To realize our true condition is tough. And to recognize who he is sometimes is tough because Satan doesn't want us to realize or recognize. He doesn't. He wants us to die in our sins. He wants us to go to hell, each one of us. And there's a lot of people going to hell, and it's sad because he came So that all would be saved. He came to rescue all of us. He loves us so much that he wasn't willing that anyone should die to suffer, to go to hell. He's not willing that anyone in this room go to hell or anyone in the world would go to hell. And that's why he's long suffering. And it's sad that so many people don't realize or recognize. Today. Do you realize. That you're a sinner. Do you recognize that he is the savior of sinners? Do you recognize that he came to die for you? To give you a life, not just to say, not just to give us a life where we can say, well, well, now we, we're Christians. And now uh, we have to go around and, and, and talk like Christians and act like Christians. No, he was interested in each one of our lives because he wanted to rescue us because he knew the outcome. He knew about hell. He knew where we were going. He knew that we were depressed. He knew that we were hopeless. And he wanted to give us hope. He wanted to give us a life. He wanted to have a life abundant. That's what he wants for us. He wants the greatest of life for us, and that's why he came and died on the cross. Do you recognize that? Those of us who recognize it, isn't it wonderful that we recognize that? That we realized? And then the the third point is the decision. If you recognize and you realize, you make a decision. The wonderful thing about decision is either way you make a decision. Because no matter what today, you're going to make a decision. If you know him, praise God. If you don't know him today, and I've told you about the love of Christ, and I've told you about your own condition, you either believe it or you don't believe it. And you make a decision either way. That's the one thing that you do. You make a decision. And it will be either to accept him or to reject him. And that's sad for those who say no. And I remember reading about the other rich man where he went away grieved. Because he said, no, I'm not willing to give up that my life. And he went away grieved. I pray that nobody goes away grieved this morning. Can you make a decision this morning for him? Do you realize your condition? Do you realize? Do you recognize him as the Lord and Savior who loves each one of us unconditionally and that he paid the price, that he died for us? And I love how he says today, 
Salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. That makes it real clear, doesn't it, what Zacchaeus chose? Because God just said, the Lord just said today, salvation has come to this house. Can salvation come to another house in here today? To another person today? And notice he says today. It's always about today. And since I want to get you out of here because there could be a few people in here that's a big deal to watch the game. <laughs> could be. I don't want to, I don't want to deny you. <laughs> but we want to be real serious about this because this, this invitation that he offers is real. He wants us to realize and recognize and make a decision. And then what happens? There's a transformation. There's a lot of people in here who have been transformed. That we have new lives in Christ. It says that for Zacchaeus, he says, he stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Transformation. Are you transformed? Are you? I don't want to say this. I pray that it's the Lord's will, but I believe there are people in this room that think they're saved, but they can't testify to a radical change that Zacchaeus experienced. I believe that there are people in this room that actually think that they're saved. They think they've been rescued, but they can't really testify to a radical change. I was reading Spurgeon. He says the change that happens and this is Zacchaeus change. He could have put down the Zacchaeus change. He called it the Zacchaeus change that we should experience. He says it gives us new natures. Do you have a new nature? Yes. Makes us love what we hated. Ooh. Hate what we loved. Sets us on a new road. Makes our habits different. Our thoughts different. Are your thoughts different? Are your habits different? Zacchaeus had a different habit. He had a different thought pattern. Half? Half? Why half? Half of my riches? If he's very rich, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I don't care how much money he had. If he was rich, it's a lot of money to give half. Just cut it down in half. Right out of the block. Right out of the block. Right after getting saved. I, I want to announce something to everybody here watching all you Pharisees, I mean, I know you're, you're saying I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bad man, and I, I got that. I feel bad, and that's good, but I've been saved and rescued, and I feel good now. I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. And if I've defrauded any of you guys out there, you ladies out there, please forgive me. I'll give you four times what I stole from you. Transformation extraordinaire. I love what he says. He says the change is radical. If there's no radical change, God's not there. We're talking about God's spirit in us. We should radically be changed. There should be the things that we loved, we should no longer love if they were evil. The things that we didn't love that were godly, we should now love. Shouldn't we? It should be radical. Habits should be different. Thoughts different. Makes us different in private and different in public.
Zacchaeus transformation. Do we have that kind of transformation this morning that we can say, honestly, God has changed my life and it's radical. It's a big deal to God that we recognize if it's true or not, if we're saved. It's a big deal to God. It's a big deal that you know if you're saved or not. It's huge. Because he sees the end. Clearly. And he sees us where we'll end up. If we're wrong. And it's not worth it, is it? Think about that. He said, if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love you guys, but I can't love you like Christ loves you. I can't love you like he loves you. What a love he has for each one of us, that he's willing to send men to the pulpit to give us Bibles, to continue to share his truth with us because he loves us and he's interested in us. And it's a big deal if we're saved or not to him. It's truly a big deal to him. Is the change radical? Is it? You might not want to hear this, but I'm going to read something else to you. I read it and it made me choke. Carl Nodet uh, gave me this book. Letters from where? From hell. It's a man who wrote a book 50 years ago or 60 years ago, and he interviewed people in hell. What a novel. What a novel. I thought, brilliant. So he's interviewing a rich man, the rich man in the scriptures that went away grieved. He's talking to me. He says, excuse me, I'm going to just read a couple of things. Excuse me, sir. I interrupted Are you suggesting that eating and drinking and buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage and Super Bowls, that these activities, well, I threw that in. (laughs) I don't know why, but (laughs) Lord, please forgive me. (laughs) But uh, marrying, giving in marriage, Heather. (laughs) He's saying, do you believe these activities are sinful or bring such judgment as you are presently suffering? Do you think that, that, you know, doing these things is bad? Now, this is the rich man answering, who's in hell now. He says, no, he answered, but making your life to consist of only those activities to the total exclusion of God and his claims upon your life and possessions. This is wickedness of the first order. You see, Mr. Richmond continued, I believe in God. Uh Uh-oh. I believed in God. I attended services at a synagogue when convenient. I took my offering and sacrifices to the temple, but it was all merely a religious gesture. I kept God on the outside of my life as a spiritual decoration, but actually denied him a place in my life and interest and affection. In other words, I did not live for God. I live to eat, to drink, and to play, and to have fun. I found plenty of pleasure. Don't let anyone tell you there's no pleasure in sin. Do you think that there's no pleasure in sin? We've got to be kidding. Sometimes we fool ourselves. There is pleasure in sin. That's why so many people do it. 
there's pleasure in it. And he was now Mr. Confession because now he's in hell. He's an open book. Everything's being revealed. He's clear now about his position. And then he goes on to say, Mr. Richmond, the uh, interviewer says, Mr. Richmond, can you describe your first reaction upon arriving here? Hmm. Yes, my first impression was the incredible and unbearable torment. Torment of mind, of spirit, torment through memories, through futile regrets, through hopelessness and despair. He says, I remember. My next impression was startling. I lifted up my eyes and discovered that those in hell can see those in paradise, but may never share their bliss. And that was the ultimate torment, seeing what I could have been and could have had, but had lost forever. You may have noticed that I said that in hell I lifted up my eyes. While in the mortal state, I never did that. My gaze and desires were always earth-centric. I loved only the world and things that are in the world. Heaven was only a word to me, and God was only a name in our Jewish creed. Bear with me just a couple seconds. At the end, he says, Mr. Richmond shook his head sadly. What fools men are. They sow to the flesh, reap this eternal corruption. Blind, blind fools, slaves of sin, and dupes of Satan. And their only prospect is to open their eyes in hell, being in torment. He looked at me with a strange expression. For a moment, I thought it might have been a smile. And then he said, and look who's talking about the other people being fools. When I was the greatest fool of all, I had the law of the prophets to warn me. I knew that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all sinful and evil men who push away the truth from them. If there's anybody in here, please take this to heart because I believe he's really, really on what's going to happen. And it's right around the corner for us who say, well, I don't need him. Tomorrow. I'll come to church next week, next month. Maybe I'll get it again, and maybe I'll accept him then. He says, yet knowing that I sold my soul for the fleeting pleasures of sin, I hardened my heart, stiffened my neck, and finally at that long-ago birthday party, I was suddenly cut off, and that without remedy. He died at a birthday party. Do you know that Super Bowl Sunday is real interesting? And I don't know why it came to me, but there could be a halftime celebration. Do you know that legitimately we have no right to think that we will be there at Super Bowl Sunday or at halftime? That we might just go to the bathroom and come back out and you'll see that the stands are a quarter empty. And football players have disappeared and the, 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 the announcers are saying, there's something strange going on at this Super Bowl Sunday. We're missing some players. The stands looked empty by maybe a tenth or whatever. What's going on? And they'll just finish the game and all wonder. And I hope you're not there if that happens. Because it could. Halftime. Gone. Twinkling of an eye. It's over, guys. I'm coming. The writer says, I did not know what to say. I had no further questions to ask. 
I was not permitted to offer sympathy or attempt to bring comfort. Couldn't do it. Before I could thank him for his cooperation, he turned and he walked away. And then I heard the voice join with the re-echoing chorus of Hades. I'm going to read it again. And then I heard his voice join with the re-echoing chorus of Hades. He heard something. A chorus. A choir. Too late. Too late. It's too late. And he disappeared in the flames. Too late. Too late. It's too late. Why did Jesus say today, I want to come to your house? He knew. It was the last chance he was going to talk to Zacchaeus. He wasn't going to see him again. And it was a big deal to God that Zacchaeus got saved. It was a big deal that he spent time with him. And it's a big deal to God that he spent time with you and me. It's a big deal to God that he wants to share his word with us. It's a big deal that we don't take this these words and just put them in a box, stuff them under our chair, put them in the trash. It's a big deal to God that we make the decision to get saved. Isn't it? Because there's the I don't even know what else to say. I can't even say anything else. I think it's all been said. It's up to you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that it's a big deal to you. Our lives are a big deal to you. Our position in Christ is a big deal to you. It's a big deal that none go to that place of torment. And I pray this morning, Lord, that it would be taken to heart what was said, too late, too late. It's too late. That no one in this room will leave here today and have the experience of echoing those words, those sad words for eternity. Because right now, today, it is not too late now. And just like Zacchaeus, he made a decision to come to see the Lord. He made a decision after recognizing and realizing and the Lord changed his life. I pray that today and we hear it all the time. People hear it all the time and I know you've heard it over and over. But that today you would stop. Stop. You would stay in your seat and you would say to someone, Bring me someone to talk to me that today I want to get saved. 
Don't even stand up. Stay seated. And then you can leave here transformed with a new life. I pray that today you'll do that. And that the Lord would rescue you and give you that peace and that joy and that love. And that destiny, which is heaven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you care about us. We thank you that you're interested in us. And we thank you that each one of us, our lives are a big deal to you. And we just praise you. We love you in your name.